Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. Well, man, it's good to see everybody. How's everyone doing? Doing good, doing good. Man, oh man, thank you so much for being here and for worshiping with us today. Welcome everybody on site and online. Uh, so happy you're joining us. Hey, happy Independence Day to everybody. Happy Independence Day. Um, I want to issue a congratulations to everybody who is here today, everybody who's joining us online. You are the elect. You are the chosen. You are the Christians who are in church on 4th of July weekend. That's incredible. That's incredible. You get an extra jewel in your crown for being here today. (laughs) So thank you for being here. We actually had, I got to say, we had a pretty decent crowd for a service. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's hard. And I I was kind of worried about, man, I wonder if we'll have a lot of people today because when the pastor is like, do we really, we really need to have church today. It's so nice outside. (laughs) The pastor's thinking that. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're probably got some people out. But you know what? We've got a lot of people here. Thank you for being here, for worshiping with us today. Um, I don't know what you've got going on for the 4th of July. I hope that you have fun plans. I hope that you have safe plans, which actually brings me to something uh, I wanted to talk about real quick before we jump into the meat of today's message is... um, you, you've probably heard what's been going on in our uh, uh, city, uh, the shooting that happened just recently of Jalen Walker. Um, it's, it's national news. Um, Akron's in the headlines. Is, it's in the New York Times. It's in the Washington Post. All of them reporting about uh, what happened here uh, this last week. Um, and actually, a lot of the 4th of July festivities in Akron have been canceled uh, specifically because of this, uh, as a response to it and worry about demonstrations and, and protests. And um, obviously, information's still coming in. I haven't even released uh, the video footage or anything yet. I think that's supposed to happen today. Um, but regardless of what is found out, Regardless of what happens, regardless of what news continues to tell us, our response as Christians needs to be the exact same, no matter what comes out. And that is one of love, one of prayer. Um, like we talked about last week, prayer is not our last line of defense. It's our first line of offense. It's, it's what we're supposed to, um, just our knee-jerk reaction in all of these situations. And so that's what we need to be. The church, uh, especially here in Akron, the church needs to be a a community that is praying for this situation, not just for the family of Jalen Walker and his loved ones who are missing him, obviously, uh, but also for for the families and for the officers who are involved in this, because this is a tragedy all around. This is traumatic all around. There's no winner in this thing. Um, So we just need to be lifting our community up in prayer over the next days, weeks, and months, uh, and just praying that peace would happen, that comfort would happen, and that justice, um, whatever that looks like, would happen. So be praying with me. We're going to be praying about that as a church uh, cornerstone. Uh, So today, hey, we'll we'll hop into the sermon. Now today, we are starting a brand new series, brand new series. We closed out Talking Elephants and Tipping Cows last week, and today we're kicking off uh, this series called Summer Mixtape, a playlist of the Psalms, a playlist of the Psalms. Um, We're going to be looking at a few selected Psalms throughout this series. Now, um, I'm about to find out who are my like OG Sunday school 
church people. Um, who remembers Salty the Singing Songbook? Does anyone remember that little guy, little blue guy, little singing songbook? Do you remember him? I think of him every time I see the word Psalms because that's how it's spelled, Salty. Uh, let me tell you, if you do a Google search for him and you see the, like, not the cartoon version of him, but like the suit that the guy wears and all the videos, it will haunt your dreams. It's a terrifying, terrifying look. Um, but we're not, we're not going to dive into Salty today, just the Psalms, just the Psalms today. Uh, I, want us, I wanted us to study this because the book of Psalms is actually, uh, it, it's one of my favorite books in all of Scripture, and that's because it's one of the favorite books of the early church. The early church, whenever we read uh, about uh, the church that formed right after Jesus' death and resurrection, the church that started in Jerusalem and started to spread around the Mediterranean rim, this is something that they would read. They would regularly read the Psalms. They would pray the Psalms. They would sing the Psalms in their services that they would have in house churches all over the area. And I think sometimes the best thing that the modern church can do is turn to the ancient church. Look at the ancient ways of doing things. And so uh, we're going to study the Psalms just like they did because they are an unending source of insight and hope and inspiration and motivation. And I don't know about you, I need all of the above. Like I need all of that. I need motivated. I need inspired. I need hope. I need comfort. Um, so I'm really excited for this series. I'm excited as we dive into this. I'm also happy, like don't get me wrong, I, I love how our last um, stage setup was with the chairs and everything. I, I like that. It was my idea. Like, so I, I liked it, but I, I like being mobile again. Like I like being able to move up here, keep the camera people on their feet today. Um, and I'm, I'm just excited. I'm excited for today's sermon. So if you want to uh, follow along, we're going to be in Psalm 95 today. We'll have the scriptures up on the screen, but if you want to look, if you brought your own Bible or you have your own app, you can follow along. We're going to be looking at Psalm 95, 1 through 9. What we're going to do is read it on the onset, and then we're going to work back through it uh, uh, verse by verse. So this is what Scripture says in Psalm 95, starting in verse 1. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds, the hands, uh, he holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land too. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. We are the people he watches over, the flock under his care. If only you would listen to his voice today. The Lord says, don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience even though they saw everything that I did. What I want us to talk about today, what the thrust and what the main point of Psalm 95 is talking about is the heart of worship. Worship. We're talking about worship today. Hey, does anybody in here have an Instagram? Instagram account. All my Instagram people out there. Anybody online watching? Um, Here's a shameless plug. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, it's at jayoungonline. You can follow me, help bump up my numbers a little bit. Um, no, but if, you, if you're on Instagram, maybe you saw this a few weeks back. I had posted uh, a little uh, story about uh, Summerween. Did anyone see that? We, me and my family celebrated Summerween. Summerween, you may ask. What is that? Um, Summerween, what it is, it's a made-up holiday from a kid's show called Gravity Falls. Our kids... 
love this show. They love this cartoon. And so Summerween is this made-up thing. It's basically Halloween, but in the summer. And so you do things like you carve a jack-a-melon. Instead of a jack-o'-lantern, a jack-a-melon. So you take a watermelon and you carve it. So we did that. Let me tell you, way wetter than a pumpkin. That thing was messy as all get out. Uh, but it smelled way better than a pumpkin. Like it burnt, you know, putting the candle in it and kind of burning the top of the uh, watermelon rind. Smelled amazing, right? So we made a jack-o'-melon. Um, we trick-or-treated in our house. Like we set up little trick-or-treat stations and the kids went around and did that. We watched the Gravity Falls Summerween episode. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a really, really good time. And in the episode on Gravity Falls, um, the, the whole show takes place over the course of one summer. These two kids are visiting their, their great uncle. They call him Grunkle, Grunkle Stan. They're visiting him. Um, and so they're, they're here over the course of a summer, and they find out that every June 23rd, the people of Gravity Falls celebrate Summerween. And the reason they do that is because they love Halloween so much that they celebrate it twice a year. And so as I was preparing today and with what we're talking about, I think about that and I'm like, I, I love that. I love the idea of them loving something so much that they build intention around it. Like we, we love Halloween so much, we're intentionally going to celebrate this thing twice a year. And I think about that in regards to what we're talking about today, worship, and I think, man, that is the same thing when it comes to worship. It has to be intentional. It has to be intentional. We're going to dive into that idea a little bit more. If you're taking notes today, our title for today's sermon is Thanksgiving in July. Thanksgiving in July. No, I'm not talking about turkey or pumpkin pie or football, although I would, you know, love all of the above right now. Those all sound, all sound fantastic. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about today are, are things like gratitude. We're talking about thanks. We're talking about worship. 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 What is worship? Worship, basically, it's the expression of praise to God, the expression of thankfulness to God. Did you know there are 254 verses in Scripture, 254, that deal specifically with praise or thanksgiving or worship to God? That's a lot. Anytime God has something repeated that much throughout the pages of Scripture, we need to take notice. We need to pay attention to that. Obviously, worship is an important thing, and we know that. We know that. If you are a person who worships, you know that worship does something to you, right? I've experienced this. When, when I live a life of worship, it shifts something in me, and it shifts something in my relationship with God. Everything changes. Uh, just yesterday, me and my little guy Griffin, um, he's two years old, going to be three in September. We were uh, in the living room, just me and him, and we're playing. We're at the coffee table, and he's got uh, Play-Doh and, you know, his little Lightning McQueen car and all these different things. I wish you could hear him talk. It's so sick. He calls him Lightning McQueen and everything. It's just the cutest little uh, uh, way he says things. And so he's playing there, and I'm doing what I normally do, like telling him, I love you, buddy. I love you. And I, I just, he, he's, a, he's my little guy, right? So I'm constantly telling him, I love you, buddy. I love you. You're my best friend. You know that? You're my best friend. And it was so stinking cute. He did something, and I was like, hey, awesome, high five. And he gave me a high five. And then about 10, 15 seconds later, all in a row, I kid you not, all in a row, I, I wish that we had like a security camera to have captured this moment, because all in a row, he says, I love you, Dad. You're my best friend. High five. I'm like, oh, my <laughs> I'm like, this is so stinking cute. Like, this is adorable. And so I'm like, 
I'm, you know, I'm about to start bawling. I'm like, <laughs> high five. Like, this is so sweet. Give them the high five. Pick them up, hug them. I'm playing with them even more now. Like, I'm, I'm, I was kind of passively just, like, continually making a snake with the Play-Doh. I'm like, oh, look, another snake. Because <laughs> it's the easiest thing to make. After that, I'm getting down on the ground. We're playing with it. We're really getting into it now. Because his love for me changed things. It just completely shifted the entire environment. The whole atmosphere changed whenever he so openly and so, uh, as a matter of factly, declared his love and appreciation for me. It changed everything. And I want to tell you, to a much greater degree than that, the same is true of your relationship and my relationship with God. Worship changes things. It changes everything with the way that we relate to God and how our environment is worship changes things. Worship will work wonders. It absolutely will. So with that in mind, this is what I want to say. Um, if you are someone who you're, you're, you're wanting that, you're wanting that, you're like, okay, worship works wonders. I, I want that in my life. I want things to change. I, I, want, I want to see the environment shift for me. I want to see the atmosphere shift for me. If that is you, this is where I would tell you to start as we talk about worship and Thanksgiving today, if you want to get into worship, get into your feelings. If you want to work or get yourself into worship, get into your feelings. Let's look again at Psalm 95 verses one through two. This is what it says, come let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to him. Do you notice a recurring theme through those first two verses? Sing, sing. Sing, shout, shout, sing, right? Like it's, it's this recurring theme over and over and over again that we need to sing to the Lord. We need to shout to the Lord. Now, what that actually is meaning there, if you read some commentaries on this part of Scripture, um, what the psalmist, the person who wrote Psalm 95, what they're saying isn't necessarily like, hey, you have to sing, you have to sing, you have to sing. What it means is that you need to, you need to, be worshiping God with your emotions, with your feelings, with, with the deepest, innermost part of you, right? Even that needs to be tuned in to God and worshiping God. Um, songs are just kind of like, you know, an analogy, a metaphor, a stand-in, because songs are all about emotion and feeling, right? Like whenever we think about songs, your favorite song, it causes you to feel a certain way. It causes emotions in you to rise up. And that's what God is wanting from us in our worship. If we want to get into worship, we need to get into our feelings. We express worship the best when we do so with emotion and with feeling. Now, let me give you an example of that. Earlier, whenever Maddie was praying for us, right, whenever Maddie led us in prayer, by the way, she said some fantastic things about me. Maddie, I've got $20 for you after service. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, when Maddie was leading us in worship, it was a, or leading us in prayer, it was a fantastic prayer, Right? Very moving, the things she was saying. I'm like, amen, and right on, that's so good. Um, but part of the thing that helped us to stay tuned in, part of the thing that helped us to truly feel the words that she was praying and that she was stating was the musical pad that was playing behind her. Did you notice that? The very just kind of like, ooh. <laughs> like I can't even, I can't really mimic it, but it's like the, oh, just playing behind her. It's that, that note, and it changes here and there. And just that little thing, that little pad, you may have not even noticed it, but let me tell you, your brain subconsciously noticed it. It's 
Research has shown, studies have shown that music, it helps us to focus in. It's why a lot of people do better whenever they have some kind of white noise or some kind of music playing softly in the background when they're working. Because even at a subconscious level, it helps your emotions and your feelings, everything to tune in to this specific moment, to focus in on this specific moment. You see, whenever our feelings and whenever our emotions are also tied up in worship, we pay attention better to God. We focus in better on God. We're more in the moment with God. Why do you think we do so many things here at church to try to uh, facilitate your emotions and feelings being a part of the worship service? right? Why do you think we dim lights at certain moments and why we have stage lights and why we have uh, the music we have, why we have pads playing behind uh, uh, prayer? We do these things because all of these tie in and they affect your emotions and affect your feelings. And by doing so, you stay more tuned in. You stay more focused. You stay more at attention. And so if we want to truly worship God with our mind and with our attention and with our focus, we need to worship God with our feelings. We need to worship God with our emotions because that's how we can get lost in the moment, lost in the moment of worshiping him. Let me give you another example. Um, I'm going to fit in another Top Gun reference. How about that? I did it last week. We're going back, back to back weeks for references here. So whenever we went and saw Top Gun, sit down, you know, it's, it's late. We went to like, what time, what, time, what showing did we go to? The 1040? You know, we went to the 1040 showing, which means we went to the 1115 showing because after 50 minutes of of trailers play, right? Um, So we're sitting there. Tom Cruise comes on, gives his like, hey, thanks so much for being here at the movies and for coming and seeing this movie. And then he goes off and the screen's black for a second. Then you see the Top Gun font, the title card come up, right? And then what do you hear? It instantly, as you hear those chords, it's 11.15, I'm like, you know, kind of like tired. The second, the second those chords start, you're like, straighten yourself up in your seat, and you're like, okay, here we go. Like, here we go, this is about to go down, it's Top Gun, I can be locked in for the next, like, five hours, right, watching this thing. And it's because that music, it tied to my feelings, played on emotions, got them all stirred up, and instantly my focus and attention was, boom, right here, right here. And I want to tell you, if you want to worship God truly with your attention and truly with intention, you've got to include your emotion. You've got to include your feelings. You've got to make sure that you have moments like today when we had worship, when we have worship music, things like that, because they help you stay locked in and giving God your complete and full attention. Now, I'm going to say this. It's not just music. Like, don't feel like you just worship God through music. You can worship God through, through prayer. You worship God through journaling. You worship God through what we saw today. The worship team sharing their testimonies. You, you talking with other people and sharing what God has done in your life. There are plenty of ways to worship. Worship can take many forms. But I will say this as well. Not only does worship take many forms, the object of our worship can take many forms if we're not careful right? The the thing that we worship can take many forms. Listen to this. This is, again, this is Psalm 95, verses 3 through 5. Listen to what it says. For the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. He holds in his hands the depths of the earth and the mightiest mountains. The sea belongs to him, for he made it. His hands form the dry land, too. I love how the psalmist here is making this clear differentiation between creator and creation. 
Creation's awesome. Mighty mountains, beautiful sea, powerful sea, all these wonderful things. But don't ever get creation confused for creator. And that goes for us. We have got to watch what we worship and watch that we don't worship creation over creator. Because it can happen so easily. And it can happen so quickly. Watch that you don't worship creation over creator. Did you know the, the, the largest worship venue in America opened back in May of, 20, uh, of 2009? The largest one. Listen to some of these stats on this, okay? This is crazy. This place could seat 110,000 people. 110,000. Um, 30,000 parking spots, which is like bonkers, right? 30,000 parking spots. The place cost $1.3 billion, with a B dollars to build. Um, the, the main uh, uh, video screen in this place, 160 feet by 72 feet. Just insanity, right? Insanity. The largest worship venue in the country. You guys know where this place is? It's AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas, the home of the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> The, the largest, don't, I'm not kidding you. I'm not, you're like, oh, I see what you did there. No, I'm not playing with you. That's the largest worship venue in the country because there are a whole lot of people, they wouldn't say it that way. They wouldn't articulate it that way. They would actually probably be like, I don't worship this, but they worship it, right? What would we describe worship as? Like, right, giving your attention and giving your intention and your praise to something, your time, your talent, your treasure. How many people do that with their sports team, Right? That's where everything goes to. Now, let me tell you this. The Dallas Cowboys, since 2009, their home record, when they play in this beautiful, magnificent building, their home record is 58 and 47. So 11 games over 500. That equals out to being one win better every year at home. That's it, right? Now, don't get me wrong. All my Browns fans, we would, we would sell our soul for that good of a record, wouldn't we? We'd be like, hey, sign me up for that yesterday. Like, we'll, we'll take it. Um, but that just kills me because I'm like, oh my goodness, look at all that. 30,000 parking spots, 110,000 can fit in there, $1.3 billion, 160 by 72 foot jumbotron, all for mediocrity. Like, right? Like, all for something that actually doesn't really deliver. <laughs> doesn't deliver like they would hope it would. They don't win like they're trying to win all of that time, all of that talent, all of that treasure, all of that attention, all of that intention to be middle of the pack, all of that worship for something that doesn't really pan out. And it seems kind of silly in that way, but my goodness, how often do we do that? It may not be your sports team, but it's that relationship. It may not be that relationship, but it's your career. It may not be your career, but it's a house you're trying to get. Everything rises and falls on that. You wouldn't say that you worship it, but you certainly have made an idol of it. What I want to tell you is watch what you worship. It's so easily, so easily we bump the creator out of the top spot and put the creation up there and we start worshiping lesser things, lesser things that are temporary, that will never fulfill, that will never satisfy us. Watch what you worship. It happens so easily, doesn't it? Because think about it, I mean, whenever we start worshiping creation, it's very easy because creation is what we interact with every single day, right? <laughs> right? Like, everything that you interact with today is part of creation. 
The, the air that you breathe is part of creation. The road that you drive on, the, the, you know, the, the, the people that you interact with, the, the air and the temperature outside that you feel, these are all parts of creation. And so we interact with it 24-7, 365. It's easy to just kind of think that that's it, right? What we interact with, this is the main thing. Uh, but interacting with the creator, that has to be what? What we talked about at the beginning, intentional on purpose. Because all this stuff, I can't help but interact with creation. It just is forced on me every day. But interacting with the creator, that's something I have to do on purpose. I have to purposely seek God out. I have to, with intent, seek him out in worship. Listen to what it says, Psalm 95, 6. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. I love how this is talking about taking a certain posture of kneeling, uh, of bowing down, right? This, this is all about having specific intent of setting up a certain posture. You see, worship requires a posture and a purpose. A posture and a purpose. It requires intent. If you're truly going to worship God, it requires intent. You will never accidentally worship God. Oh, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I just naturally give glory to God all day long. I just don't know. I'm so special. I've been so touched by the Holy Spirit. I can't help but give him glory. No, it doesn't happen accidentally. It's intention. Let me tell you, um, like, I'm, I'm never going to perform a cartwheel on accident. Like, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to, but I just pulled off a perfect cartwheel. Like, that's the, that ain't happening, right? Like, it's not happening. In fact, um, you can see how little I have put intention into trying to land a cartwheel by watching me try to do a cartwheel. Like, you see it, and you're like, wow, this is what, like your sixth attempt ever? Like, you're 34, and you've tried six ever? Um, on the flip side, my daughter, Evelyn, she's great, Adam. Like, she's, she's getting real into gymnastics and tumbling and cartwheels and all this different stuff. Um, she actually, she'll do the, like, one where it's not even, like, a normal cartwheel. It's the, like, she starts back here, put... First time I saw her do this, I'm like, she, where'd she learn this? What kind of like ninja movie is she watching? She'll put her one arm behind her back, take off sprinting, and then with her other arm, put it down and do like a crazy quick cartwheel. I'm like, where did you, where are you learning this stuff? Because <laughs> she's not in gymnastics yet. We're putting her in, right? Like we're putting her in since she's showing such skill and such love for it. Um, but she's gotten like this just from practice. She does them all the time. All the time. She does them outside. She does them in the house. She does them in places where she shouldn't, right? By a coffee table. Like, what are you doing? Um, it is funny, though. She tries to get me and Jessica and her sister to do them, and none of us can do them. Like, Griffin tries to do them, too, and he just tries to do a somersault, and it, it looks hilarious. And me and Jessica, when we try to do them, it looks like we're having a medical emergency. Like, someone needs a, like something bad's happening, right? Um, clearly, we have not put any intention into trying to do cartwheels. Um, but Evelyn, she pulls these things off so well, and it's not happening on accident. The whole reason it's happening so well, the whole reason it looks so flawless, so, so perfect, so seamless, is because she's doing them with intent, and she's doing them on purpose, and she's been doing it like that time and time and time and time again. You see, it's not accidental. It's on purpose. It's with intention. The same is true of worship. You don't become a, a, a worshiper. You don't become a person who is living with a posture of gratitude in life on accident. It only comes through intention. It only comes through regularly setting up 
with intention rhythms in your life where you're worshiping God, where you're telling God, man, God, I'm, I'm grateful for you. I'm, I'm thankful for you. It's not going to happen on accident. It's just not. Nobody, nobody, nobody worships God on accident. It takes purpose and it takes intention. I love that again. That's why uh, the writer talks about us kneeling and bowing, taking this posture of thankfulness towards God. Uh, And so what I would tell you is that you need to set up purposeful postures in your life, rhythms of worship in your life. That's why we tell people, we we know that people are going to be out a lot over the summer. The summer is a crazy time, right? You've got kids stuff going on all summer long with sports and events. You've got vacations, you've got holidays, family trips. That's going to happen. Like that's just a given. But that's why we've been telling people, do whatever you can do to stay in the rhythm of worship. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. So over the summer, if, you, if you've been a part of a small group, stay in touch with your small group. They start back up in the fall. Man, be texting your small group saying, hey, miss you guys. Can't wait to get together in the fall. Thinking of you. How can I be praying for you? Tell them what God's been doing in your life. That's why we say, man, be here on Sundays or on Saturdays. And if you can't, catch up online. Uh, you can listen to the podcast. You can watch on YouTube. Make sure that you set up these rhythms in your life, these rhythms of worship, because you will not just accidentally stay in rhythm. You won't do it. You will set up a rhythm of worshiping creation over creator, of all these lesser things, these lesser gods. That's what's natural to us. If we want to worship God, it's only going to come through purposeful intention, purposeful intention. And when we do that, this is the awesome thing. When we start worshiping God like that, we can expect God to talk back. We can expect God to speak to us in real tangible ways. Psalm 95, 7 says, we are the people God watches over the flock under his care. If you would only listen to his voice Today, I feel like that should be my life verse. I feel like I need to have that verse tattooed on me somewhere if I would only listen to God today. You see, God wants to speak to us. God is speaking to us. Did you know that worship is supposed to be a conversation, not a monologue? It's supposed to be a dialogue. It's not supposed to just be this this one-way thing. Worship is set up to be a conversation with God. Worship is a conversation, not a monologue, God responds when we worship him. Think about what I shared at the beginning um, with my son, Griffin. When Griffin heaped that praise on me, guess what daddy did? Daddy responded. Things changed, right? The same is true of us and our heavenly father. Things change when we worship. God responds to us. God responds to us in the midst of our worship. Honestly, if I can just be real for a moment, I think that for a lot of us, and please, I'm not condemning because this is me too, a lot of us, we feel like we don't hear from God. Like, well, man, Pastor Jacob, you're saying God speaks, but I feel like I don't hear him speak a lot. Even when I worship, I don't feel like I hear him speak a lot. Could I wager to you today that maybe you're not hearing from God because you're giving God work orders and not worship? I'm, I'm just saying, it, it may be that you're, you're giving God a work order. Like, hey, God, this is what I need you to do today. And I don't know if you noticed, but I was here in church. <laughs> I had my hand Did you see how my, I had my hand raised at three different points during that song? Did you see it? I even did the, like, chest pat during the one. It was so good. And so with that in mind, here's my work order. If you could just get on this real quick for me. And that's how we see it. We're like, it's a... It's a work order. It's a way for me to get what I want. And that's not it. 
That's a work order. That's not worship. But when we truly worship, when we truly come to God saying, I want absolutely nothing in response because you are enough, just you. That's all I want is just you. When we do that, God works in it. God works in the midst of that kind of worship. He works in the midst of that kind of conversation. Not a monologue where we come with our list of things for God to do for us, but we come saying, nope, just this conversation with you is all I need. It's all I want. I'm here for this and for nothing else. In the middle of that, God works. He works. And I I know this. Um, I see this play out because, okay, so... Years ago, we used to do a lot of like skits, you know, like sketches at churches. If people, I joke about this a lot. We've got like two groups here at Cornerstone. People have been here for like 20 plus years and people have been here for six months or less. <laughs> like that's kind of our, our dividing line. Um, if you were here in that older group, you may remember how we used to do a lot of skits here at Cornerstone. Um, I actually, I used to be incredibly shy. People, people don't know that. I used to be the kid that would be up in like the choir line and I'm the one standing over at the end like... Like not, not wanting to sing, very, very shy. Um, the thing that broke me out of it was doing a skit. And some of you might remember this. Do you guys remember the Saturday Night Live cheerleaders skit that we did at Cornerstone? Hallelujah, I saw some of those hands. <laughs> uh, if you have any footage of that, please burn it at your earliest convenience. Um, <laughs> what we did is we, we did, you know, the Saturday Night cheerleaders. Will Farrell and um, Sherry O'Terry were the, the Saturday Night cheerleaders. And me and my cousin Sarah did that for like a few sketches. The thing was, this is whenever I was little and my cousin Sarah was taller than me. So she played Craig and I played Ariana, which means I was up on stage for my like first skit ever, first skit ever. I was up on stage with a wig, with like socks up to here and a skirt, me. Let me tell you, if you wanna, if you wanna break out of being shy, that's how it happens. Like, it was a shock to my system. It was, it, it was crazy, right? So um, from that moment on, I'm like, okay, I'm in skits now. Now I don't care. I can't be any more embarrassed than I was <laughs> for that. It, it can only go uphill from here. Um, so I was in skits, and let me tell you, one of the things that I hated more than anything else was being in a monologue. I hated doing monologues. Hated it. Because there's just there's so much pressure, right? Like, there's pressure... And there's no background pad of music playing while it's just you talking. It's just you up there, and it's like this. And if you forget a line, it's just silence, right? And people are looking at you like, oh, is he going to do this? He's going to get... It's nerve-wracking. I hated monologues. Now, on the other hand, dialogues, skits where there were multiple people in it, sign me up for those all day. I had no fear, no frustration about doing those. And here's why. Because when there's a dialogue, I would be able to remember my lines based off somebody else's line. Like I could play what I'm supposed to do because of what she said. And what she said would trigger me going, oh, that's right. This is what I'm supposed to say. This, this is what I'm supposed to do. That. And so I loved dialogues because they worked as a guide for what I'm supposed to do. Are you following me? (laughs) You see, the same is true when it comes to worship. Worship was never intended to be a monologue where you're just doing all of the talking. It was meant to be a dialogue. And in a dialogue, God speaks and you hear one of his lines and you go, oh, that's good. That's what I'm supposed to do. That's, that's reminding me of my next step, who I'm supposed to talk to next, what I'm supposed to sacrifice next, who I'm supposed to go love on, right? 
It works better whenever we work off of God's lines rather than just our own monologue, just telling him what, what we feel and what we want to do and what's going on in our life, but saying, no, God, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. Talk to me. I, I, want, I want to hear your voice today. I want to hear you speak to me today because I know that worship is a conversation, not a dialogue, and God, I'm expecting you to speak to me. I know you're going to speak to me, and when you speak, things change, and that's exactly what happens. God wants us to have conversation with him, and God wants us to work off of his lines. So I'll tell you this, if you engage in intentional worship, be prepared for God to speak. Be prepared for God to speak. He will talk to you. Last thing I want to say as we uh, uh, get ready to close out today, um, that's not why you worship, though. Like, we, we don't worship expecting, um, like, okay, great, Pastor Jacob said God talks, so that's why I worship, so God can tell me what to do, and I can go do that, and then my life turns out great, and I, I get the house that I wanted, and I get the promotion I wanted, and everything works out, so that's why I do it. That's, that's the why behind my worship. That's not it at all. Worship should never be contingent on us trying to get our way or trying to get God to work on our work order. Like, that's never what it should be about um, in fact, this, this is one thing that we can see from the scripture that we read today. Um, even if God does that, even if God like, okay, yeah, let me just work wonders on your behalf, that doesn't necessarily mean that we will worship God, does it? God's constantly answering our prayers. Like there, there's so many times God comes through for us and answers our prayers and we don't even realize it, right? You, you can see wonders and still not worship. We, we see that. Look at the text in verse 8 and 9. The Lord says, Don't harden your hearts as Israel did at Meribah, as they did at Massa in the wilderness. For there your ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw everything I did. Think about that for a moment. Israel, the Israelites who had seen God uh, deliver them from Egypt, the 10 plagues, they saw the power of God. They saw the power of Jehovah in action. They saw the Red Sea split. They saw God deliver them across it and crush the Egyptians in it. They saw God lead them by a, a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day. They saw all of these things and it still wasn't the thing that drove them to worship. That's crazy. <laughs> So that goes without saying that for us then, our worship should not be tied to what God does for us. Well, are you going to work for me? you going to do this for me? You're going to work a wonder on my behalf, God? Are you going to do what I, what I want you to do? You see, God can work wonders and we can still miss it and we regularly do. So our worship cannot be contingent on that, on, well, do I see God working in my life or not? If I see you working, then sure, I'll be worshiping. The hands will go up. The, the, the songs will be sung then. It can't be contingent on that. Can I tell you, I'm just going to share for me. This, I'm not saying this is for you. For me, the reason I worship God, my, my contingency, the linchpin that everything hangs on for me, why I worship him, absolutely is not my circumstances. Absolutely is not if I see God working in my life and like, oh, wow, look at this coincidence and this one, this one. That must be God. Hallelujah. Like, that's, that's not it. <laughs> the linchpin of my faith, the, 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 the focal point of everything of why I worship Jesus is the cross. And that's it. That's it. Because I have come to realize that literally everything in my life, everything, my family, uh, my kids, every, every blessing that I have, my health, all of it, everything, is just extra. If all that Jesus did was the cross for me, that's already more than I could ever dream of. That's it. 
And so that's why everything for me, every bit of my worship is tied to that. I don't need to see wonders for him to worship because I've seen the cross. I've seen his love for me, and I'm like, that's enough. And you know why that's enough? Because I don't know your story. Like, I'm looking around, people in the room, I know some of you. There's some I know better than others. People online, I'm sure the same is true. There's some of you I know that better than others. But I don't really know what's going on with you. And you don't really know what's going on with me. <laughs> like I joked about earlier, Maddie, Maddie said really nice things about me. I've got my own issues. I've got my own struggles. I've got my own ways where I'm not living up to where I should be. We all have stuff. And here's the thing. Let me tell you, the most raw, real church testimony you will ever hear is still PG-13. It could still be played on TBS, right? <laughs> the TBS edited for TV approved version. That, that's the most real and raw it gets because every single one of us, come on. Like, don't, don't lie to yourself. You know this is true. You know you have stuff that don't nobody know. <laughs> nobody. It's, it's the thoughts, the thoughts that you're like, I'm not telling my spouse this. I'm not telling my, my mom this. I'm not telling my husband this. It's the thoughts, it's the words that you're gonna say, but you don't, but you're still thinking them. It's all of those little things. And so you know your real testimony. You know with acute detail exactly what's going on in your life. And this is why the gospel is the good news because Jesus has saved you and forgiven you for even that. Not the washed up, pretty, church approved one for the real one. Jesus knows every inch of that story and he's forgiven you for it. And that is why on my own account, even if nobody else in here will sing, even if nobody else in here will stand, even if nobody else in here will worship, I will. Because I don't know where you've been and what's gone on with you, but I know with specific detail exactly what I've been saved from, and I can't help it. I can't help but worship. I can't help but have gratitude because I know what I've been saved from. And I'm telling you, that needs to be the basis for your worship, not what's currently going on in your life, not how God's currently working in your life. Those are all good things, and those are great parts of the testimony. Those are fantastic things. Whenever I share my testimony, I show how God's proving himself to be faithful. But all of these are like, you know what? These are all great, but it all pales in comparison to the cross. It all pales in comparison to what Jesus did for me. And if he never did another thing for me, I'm already blessed beyond belief with just that. The cross is the reason for our, our, our faith. It's the reason for our worship. It's the reason for our thanksgiving. It's the reason we could have thanksgiving, not just in November, but every single day of the year, because our God is a good, good, good God, and he deserves all of our praise. I'm gonna pray with you, all right? Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Father God, we're just so thankful for your goodness. I don't even know where to start, honestly. Um, you're, you're just so good. You're just so loving. You're just so caring. You're just so merciful and grace-filled. And my goodness, you, you, your, your mercies are new every single day. That's what's incredible. You never run out of these things. Every single day, we wake up and find you just as faithful and just as good as you were the day before. And it, it, it's, it's mind-blowing, and it's awe-inspiring, and it should be gratitude-inducing. God, when we look at who you are and what you've done for us, it should inspire nothing less than our complete and utter worship for you. Help us to do that, God. It can be so easy for us to lose sight. We, we, we see your creation all the time and 
It's very easy for us to trade out your place as creator with the creation and, and fall into worshiping lesser gods and lesser things around us and making idols out of things that we were never supposed to make them into. Um, God, help us to keep our focus on you and our focus on what you've done for us and what you've accomplished for us. <clears throat> because when we do that, when we with regularity, with consistency, and with intention, remember who you are and what you've done for us, living a life of worship will start to become more natural. What felt unnatural and felt forced and felt like we need to set up specific things will start to become more of a rhythm and more of a routine for us, and we will become people who worship you in everything we do, and that's exactly who we want to be as your church, God. People who bring worship and glory and honor to your name with every breath we take and with every step we take. Help us to do that, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit. We'll give you all the honor, all the glory, all the praise, and all the worship that belongs to no one else but you. We love you, Father. We love you. We love you, and we praise you today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.